Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I am Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This is what we could only call an event. Right, Rob? (laughs) Yeah, definitely an event. So it's funny because I said that. I don't remember if I said that during the last episode or if I was just saying it to Rob. But we're doing this um, intro after we've done the event. And I got to tell you, it was an event. So here's what we have for you tonight. Um, unprecedented in booked history and quite honestly, in, in pretty much every podcast I've ever listened to, we are going to have four guests. That means six total people on a call via the Internet. So apologies in advance for some sound quality um, concerns that, that may come up, some issues. Um, but this is all we could do to bring you what I think is just an absolutely fantastic episode. Tonight we have... Um, the authors, almost all, 80% of the authors from the collection, I Can Taste the Blood. Um, and we'll follow it up with a, kind of a quick wrap-up and review. But first, let's talk about the the five authors. All right. So we're just going to read bios really quick, and we're just going to go right one from the next because there's a whole bunch, and we don't want to spend your whole day listening to this. So starting off, oh, and these are the order that the stories appeared in the book, so uh, the book opener was uh, I Can Taste the Blood. <laughs> They're all called I Can Taste the Blood by Josh Mallerman. And uh, Josh is an American author and lead singer for the rock band The High Strung. Mallerman currently lives in Ferndale, Michigan. And apparently spends a lot of time golfing and was unable to make this episode. Golfing. Golfing, golfing. happens. It does happen. It's a sport, right? Kind of technically it's a sport. Yeah. All right. Just chucking. <laughs> J. Daniel Stone is the pseudonym for a hothead Italian kid from New York City. He has been a menace to society since 1987 and has, at various times, prepared bodies for the morgue, broke up fights between gerbils, and used fire to change the color of the carpet in his bedroom. That's interesting. All right. Joe Schwartz is our next uh, bi- bio. In 2008, Joe's Black T-Shirt, short stories about St. Louis, was published as a personal favor for friends of Joe Schwartz. The idea that people outside of Schwartz's limited Midwestern world could find the dark and occasionally personal stories entertaining was was as exciting as it was mysterious for the first-time author. Since then, he has written two more collections of short stories, as well as the novels A Season Without Rain and Adam Wolfe, and The Cook Brothers, A Tale of Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. The kinds of stories he tells have been described as a sharp punch to the gut and disarming like a sunny day in hell. When I think punch to the gut, I think uh, Venturini's uh, story, Pound of Flesh, from the booked anthology. That's not part of the bio. That That was my part. Yeah, no. (laughs) You think about that, though, like every day, I think. Yeah, it's such a great story. So you want to talk about that story for a little bit, or you want to talk about these five? What do you want sorry, to do? I'm sorry. open to anything. It's, no, any, no, it's cool. It's, <laughs> any chance I get to talk about Venturini, you know I will. Eric T. Johnson doesn't believe in order, or theoretically at least, in boxes. He became a writer because he can't make a straight line to save his life, since stories consist of terrifically asym- asymmetrical... Asymmetrical? Asymmetrical? Yeah, because asymmetrical, I think, is a completely different thing. <laughs> Asymmetrical random sequences of random shapes. That's a lot of use of the word random, but I'm going to let it slide because it's a bio. John F.D. Taff is a horror slash dark speculative fiction author with more than 25 years of experience. He's a published author with more than 85 short stories and seven novels in print. His writing has a distinct pulpy Twilight Zone vibe to it. He also writes fantasy, suspense, and some science fiction. 
we're not going to hold that against him. Um, here are our guests. <laughs> Guys, thank you for taking part in what uh, is proving to be the biggest and perhaps most difficult episode of Booked to to be recorded. Um, We're going to get right to it. Dan, tell us a little bit about your version of I Can Taste the Blood. Sure thing. Um, I am slotted in Vision 2. My story is the tale of Jared and Bach. They are lovers and film aficionados, and they sort of run into somebody who challenges them in ways that they never saw coming. So I'll kind of leave it at that. It's really about the underground film scene and how sometimes films can be more alive than, than you really can imagine. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. Spoiler free. <laughs> Love it. Joe Schwartz. Tell us a little bit about uh, about your take on. I, 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 per, I prefer if you use my my full given name. Thank you. Oh, oh. all right. I, so, so listeners and maybe people who aren't familiar with Joe Fucking Schwartz. No, that's better. That, that's um, a good fellow. <laughs> who, who aren't familiar will learn very quickly that uh, th- this is going to be the guy to to listen to on this podcast. Um, So in the past 45 minutes or so, we've heard him talk about um, heroin use, not his own necessarily. We've heard about um, fellatio for chocolate. Um, We've heard him talk about another author's mother. Um, So this guy's going to fit right in here. In all all fairness, it was was fellatio in exchange for chocolate, not with chocolate. But anyway, I think that's just being technical. So... In my version of I Can Taste the Blood, it is based on a very uh, dark joke, which is how do you keep a dog from biting you on Monday? You kill him on Sunday. And I took it to an extreme with a couple of guys. People would refer to them as fixers or, uh, you know, muscle guys. And um, unfortunately for the hero of my story, he's grown a conscience over the years. And now, for what it's worth, it's going to cost him to finally do the right thing. And for that, he's going to taste the blood. (laughs) All right. Our next author, Eric T. Johnson. Can you please tell us a little bit about your story, your version of the I Can Taste the Blood? So my story was basically I had drawn this really weird sketch. I was writing a story about I was trying to come up with a mask that looked like the wearer of the mask was afraid of something coming to attack it. And so I thought about a mask with holding its hands over its face. And I drew this sketch and it's sort of um, actually a bunch of associations came out of that drawing beyond uh the original idea of the, uh, you know, uh, I'm scared, somebody's coming at me. And uh, from there, it was a really torturous, hellish year to try to um, (laughs) make that into a narrative that made sense, but was also sort of a nightmare um, in language, basically. I gave nothing away. Even if I told you anything about it, you can't give it away. I'd like I'd like to interject for a second. I'm going to ask for a better explanation because okay. <laughs> we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, I'm not even so I don't want you to take this the wrong way because I really really yeah. enjoyed your story. I'm not even sure what it was about, so I'm going to push a little harder. Yeah, for a description. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. In a way, I think of it as like a horror koan. You know, like Zen has has those what do they call them koans or something? Yeah, yeah. I thought about that later, but. What it really is, is uh, 
I'm really trying to say something that you really... <laughs> okay, hold on. You can't say what you can't say, so no point going in that direction. It's, it's a real nightmare vision of somebody who is somehow knows that there's a better world somewhere out there and there's a better way to be and there's people but who knows nothing about them and who at the same time is um, subject to these various indignities by these evil entities um, who are trying to give birth to something from some bad place. And I don't mean like Staten Island or something. I mean like, you know, really bad place. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Does that explain it better? I don't know. It okay. Much better. Thank you. All right. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Okay. Uh, for whenever, for when our listeners read that story, I think that that's, that's a very serviceable explanation of what happens. All right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and four out of the fourth story we're going to hear about out of the five in the in the book is the one that ends out the book, and that's going to be by author John F. D. Taft. John, can you please tell us a little bit about your uh, story in this book? Well, it's going to sound horribly mundane after Eric's description of his story. Um, my wife and I moved uh, from St. Louis about a year ago down to Southern Illinois, and uh, uh, her parents live down here and her mom has Alzheimer's. So we were moving, relocating basically to keep an eye on them and to help out. Uh, we made a lot of drives between St. Louis uh, and Southern Illinois in the time that we were selling our house and looking for another house. And so it's a, it's about a two hour drive and it passes through all these, you know, small dying towns in Southern Illinois. And it got to me during one of the, the trips that, you know, you wonder why you wonder what keeps people in some of these towns. You, you, you don't see any jobs that they could possibly have or anything that would be holding them to these towns. So it got me thinking about what keeps people in these small towns that, you know, that the United States is filled with. Um, and one thing led to another and that was my story. So that's kind of the spoiler free description of my story. It's about as spoiler free as uh, as you get. <laughs> Almost as spoiler free as Eric's. I, I would have to agree. What? Um, well, and and interestingly enough, it's it, it's great that we had you last to talk about your story because you are also the. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're the creator of this idea, right? You want to tell us about this little incident? He's responsible. Yeah, yeah you're responsible for this. I am this. responsible for this. You want to tell us yeah. about this trip to the bathroom that you took? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I'm was. i from St. Louis, and uh, I, I think anybody listening to this program can probably pinpoint the two authors who are from the Midwest and the two authors who are from the East. Um, but... Uh, my wife and I, my wife had a house in, in South St. Louis uh, near the city and lots of neat places to go there. And one little place called Blackthorn, which is a, a pizza place, a pretty well-known little dive bar. It's really more of a dive bar, but they serve uh, kind of their approximation of Chicago-style pizza. And uh, uh, Deb and I, Deb, my wife and I were there uh, right before we left St. Louis, about, well, about a year before we left St. Louis. And... Uh, I got up to use the men's room and went into the men's room and there scrawled, you know, it's one of these 
men's rooms that is basically, you know, one step up from uh, holes in the floor and plywood walls. And every conceivable surface is, is scrawled with graffiti. And they are right at eye level as I was, you know, relieving myself was uh, somebody had scrawled, I can taste the blood. Um, and, uh, you know, I went back out and sat with, with Deb after I'd seen it. And I said, I told her what I'd seen. And I got to figure out something to do with this because that's just too weird and too great to, to ignore. And, uh, I'd been hanging out with, with Schwartz for a while and, uh, we'd get together and bitch about stuff that, you know, writers bitch about and, um, told him that I'd seen this and he was like, you know, that's, that's awesome. I want to do something too. And so we talked it over and we were like, well, we got to do something together with this. And then we kind of expanded it. Yeah, it's, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we took that, that phrase, I can taste the blood and invited a couple of other people to, to write stories and everybody uses the same title. So instead of, uh, some kind of a story prompt or, you know, you've got to write a, you know, your story's got to be about whatever. Um, we decided that we would invite a couple of other people to write stories and they all had to use, they all had to start with that title. I can taste the blood. Didn't matter to me particularly if it was a horror story or, you know, like in Joe's case of a transgressive uh, piece or what kind of horror it was or, or anything like that. It was just, uh, we thought the hook in this book really lay in what, a group of different authors, how a group of different authors can all approach the same title in completely different ways. And I think, you know, from that standpoint, I, I look back at what we're able to put together and I think we, I think we succeeded. I think the stories are, are all great on their own and they're all wildly different. I mean, just totally wildly different. Let's talk a little bit about wildly different. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Joe, you have what is easily the most normal story. And, and I say that without spoiling a lot, but there's no supernatural element to yours. It's, a, it's just your very good, very straightforward kind of crime story with a twist. Um, how, how, how did that feel? After reading the other stories in there, did you did you feel like? Well, the first story I read uh, uh, was was Eric's, and I was just, I had to read in like small doses because I couldn't conceive what the fuck was going on, but I liked it a lot. And by the time I got to the end of it, I I was cross-eyed and kind of high, and I knew that we had something really special going on. And next I read, uh, I read Josh's story, which is more of a biblical nor. It's so fucking radically different from Eric and myself. I was just like, God damn, dude. And to put just these three stories in one book was something else. But then you, you add in Jay Dan and, and, and John. It's just like it, it is a smorgasbord of writing that's unheard of. I work in a library, and I've gone to several librarians, and and I work with a lot of people uh, who read heavily, and I'm like, have you ever heard of a, of, an, of, a, of a book that has five authors, and has five novellas, short stories, whatever, however you like to put that, but they all have the same title, and no unifying theme except, except the title, and I'm like, no, but I'd like to read that. 
and I knew we had something right away. I mean, when when John I when John first showed me this this thing, he shows me this 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 picture on his phone. I'm like, what the fuck is that, dude? And he, he's like, it says I can taste the blood. I'm like, that is so fucking sick. I can't believe it. That's wonderful. Yes, I took pictures in a men's room. I'm not proud. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it's okay. I mean, it worked out for the best like it usually does. A- anyway, um, so, I mean, I, I mean, the thing that John does to tell you is, is we have, the accelerated pace to, the, to this has, has been phenomenal. Because, I mean, it was like four days after he showed that to me, and we discussed for like three hours at, at, at Starbucks about, you know, could this be a novel? Could this be a book of short stories? Could could we write just a pair of short stories? And we we, we, we threw this around about a hundred different ways. But four days later, I gave him my story, basically in the form you see it. So it it was really kinetic energy of, of a massive dose that, you know, this thing was coming through. And, and I mean, it, it was a real quick turnaround before we, before we knew it. We, the other guys were in the story and, and, and it was, I, I, to me, the, the, the real, you know, phenomenal part of this is, is that it's here already. I mean, we're talking about Coordinating five different people with a publisher with 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 nothing more than a story title and and I mean we have there's probably John you could probably tell us I, I bet there's four or five times we thought this book just imploded and we were done. Oh yes. Johnny <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John even went through trouble driving all the way to St. Louis once and gr- literally literally holding my fucking hand <laughs> and telling me everything was going to be okay, Joe. Just take a goddamn pill and relax. <laughs> Well, Joe is, I mean, Joe pretty much finished his story. I mean, Jesus Christ, Joe, your story was done maybe two weeks after we talked about this. Oh, I, 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 hope. I remember getting an email with that saying, Joe's done. And I'm like, what? That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't finish my story till I think my story may have been the last one finished. I, I think it sure. was. I think you I think you were last in. But I was I was so excited for the idea, and I'm like, let's. Just, I, I'm the kind of person when it happens, I want to get I want to get into it. I want to get into it now, and I want to get it done, because the passion and the excitement are really really boiling over, and I, I want to capture that. You know, I would I would have tried to write it three months later. It would have been a much weaker um, and, and much softer version of the story I turned in. And what I gave you is, is such raw energy. It's, it's practically my synapses is firing as, as fast as my fingers can type. I, I'm, I'm serious about that. I mean, it, when I reread the story months later, I barely remembered writing it. Um, Joe, I do want to say that um, wow. even though I said you had the most normal story, part of me... Um, believes pretty strongly, and again, without spoiling anything, that you had a character towards the the end of your story that might have been the most twisted person in this whole I, book. I liked, I liked, I liked her a lot, a whole lot. <laughs> she she's just a nasty, nasty girl, and I'm really proud that she showed up and told me her story. <laughs> she's well awful. Done, well done. I based her, I based her on my mother. Anyway. Oh. oh my god, that was wow. funny. Maybe, maybe the quote of the episode. I'm not I'm not encouraging everybody to try and one up that, but uh so far I think that's the quote of the episode. Maybe if we called it I can taste my mother. <laughs> that's book two. Book and two. we're done. And that was a little uh, <laughs> Air, blue yeti mic drop right there. Uh <laughs> all right. So uh, the next author we're going to talk to, thank you, Joe. 
Dan, movies are they? Uh-huh. Uh, are there something that influences this one story in particular, or something that um, is something that's a big focus in your life? Um, I would say more of a big focus. Nothing in particular. Um, movies for me. I mean, I've been obsessed with horror movies since I can remember. I just love being scared out of my pants, no matter what. I love the feeling of I can't go to sleep tonight because I know there's something under my bed. You know, one of the, you know those things and. That that definitely was an influence on my vision of I Can Taste the Blood. Um, also, I don't know if you guys have Netflix. Most people have Netflix. Um, in the horror section of Netflix, they have the worst B and C grade horror movies ever. But for me, on a Sunday when I'm bored and 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 it's you know raining, I I I, I eat those movies like they like they're cookies. I, I just love them. And it's just really weird to say, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's, that's for me in movies, and I just obsess over them because I love the feeling. I can go back to a movie, and I get that same feeling of when I got it in when I was a child or when, uh, you know, when I was feeling down or something, and it just lifts me up or scares the shit out of me. That's pretty much it. Well, I, I smell another Maniac Cop 2 fan. Um, I, I love, I love that stuff too. One of the vibes that came over really strongly for me, and I I don't know if you're a fan or whatever, but it reminded me a lot of the feel, not stylistically, but the feel that I would get from reading like early Clive Barker. And I thought it was, I thought it was just fantastic what you did with that story. Well, yeah, Clive Barker was definitely, uh, his books of blood was definitely changed the way that I thought about reading fiction and writing fiction for sure. Um. I think what he did in the mid '80s with those books were probably the most groundbreaking stuff for horror. You know, as I think Stephen King wrote a quote for him. You know, I see the future of horror, and it's Clive Barker, and it was true for that time. But I think Clive deviated away from horror for a while. But at that time, I mean, you can't touch those books of blood. They're pretty much perfect in my eyes. That's my opinion, though. And one of the, one of the things that I liked about Dan, and one of the reasons I invited him to be on this project was I had read his first novel called uh, absence of light and his command of the language is he's got this really kind of a lush sybaritic command of language that I think he shares with people like Barker and, and Poppy Z bright. And you don't see a lot of it uh, at least not well done like Dan does today in horror. So he's got a, I, I really like Dan's voice. Um, and, and I'm really glad that he agreed to do this because I think like each of the guys that we invited to, uh, to write for this, they really bring something completely different to the table. Eric, the question I have written down for you, and I, <laughs> <laughs> it just really says vagina face with a couple of question marks after it. Uh, I'm not going to uh, go with that. I'm just using that to tantalize reader or listeners to okay. and hopefully readers to read this. Um, your story felt to me like it took place in a much, much bigger um, story. Is mm-hmm. this a world you have kind of written out in your head? Maybe something, uh, something bigger with, I, I had a distinct feeling that there was a lot more to this story. No, I, no, it wasn't part of a bigger thing. I I think it's just frightening how many things leak in and out of my head. Um, I'm gonna, I think everyone's going to agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, and, and find channels. <laughs> and they form channels. And every now and then they form channels that 
you that there is a pattern to it there is a sense to it there's a motif there'll be a repeating sound or repeating image that goes through it almost like in a in a poem in a way or um you know like some Wagnerian opera or something but like that makes it cohere not in a linear fashion so much as like uh horizontally layered you know like it's it's like a deep excavation and um so there'll be all these layers basically working on top of each other that add up to a uh some kind of a mood or that i feel you know go okay uh, that's it i got it that's what this nightmare here is you know does that make sense <laughs> yes it, it does <laughs> it's kind of um, tough to explain but i mean i don't always write that way this is the thing I, I wind up writing the craziest freaking thing i ever wrote you know for this and uh, i think i scared the hell out of like everyone at first like oh no how are we going to market this thing i um it's weird because you ask if it makes sense and i don't know if that would make sense if i hadn't read the story but uh-huh. you see what I'm saying? Because I read the story, the answer makes makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, Eric's tale is the most is the is the least linear tale in the book. But that's is something that I personally enjoyed about it. Uh, I felt like uh, I got a little. Can I say a curse? You know, am I allowed to curse on this thing? <laughs> Oh man, curse you don't fucking understand. I, I have know. to. I have to say a curse. I mean, after I read Eric's story, I felt really fucked up. Like I felt fucked <laughs> in the head. I felt fucked. I felt like fucked. All the ways we could say use the word fuck. I, that's how I felt, and I thought. And I thought, whoa, job well done. It was like if William S. Burroughs and Anthony Burgess, uh, Clockwork Orange era, and like Gertrude Stein had a weird, you know, three way and had a child. I think that's who Eric T. Johnson. Is. A, a child with three heads. Yeah, basically. Yeah, no. Bir- birthed through a face. Exactly. Yeah, that's- that story hurt to write. Like, I mean, it's depressing. I was like, I was, I was in a bad mood writing it. I was like, I, I hate this thing. But like, I mean, even though I, you know, even as I liked where I was going, I, I mean, it was very um, intense, like psychologically, for me to write that. You know, just some of the imagery, as you guys know, mm-hmm. is like, what well, you know, what happened to that guy? Excellent. All right, and uh, last and definitely not least, John. Yours, um, the question I have goes back to when we had you on previously. You and Josh talked um, at length. You guys talked quite a bit about, I don't want to say original um, monsters, but kind of getting away from the from the standard tropes and right. maybe inventing a new monster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking you pulled that off. Do you feel that you pulled that off? <laughs> yeah, the... Um... You know, I'm like a, a lot of guys, a lot of writers. I, I keep a little notebook that I jot things down in. Um, and that image, that central image of, uh, and I guess it's not too spoilery, but the central image of, of the main character uh, who grows, well, I guess, should I should I spoil it? Should I say what it is? No, 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 no. It's a new thing. It's a no. new thing. <laughs> well, that, that central image that, of the transformation that happens with the main character came to me as, as my wife and I were driving back from the first horror writers, uh, convention that I had, I had chosen to go to, which was, uh, new Orleans, which I guess was what, three or four years ago. And on the way back, the long car drive back, I, I, that image came to me pretty forcefully. And 
when we pulled over at a rest area, I jotted it down and it, it hung with me for a while. And it's such a, um, for me, it was such a deeply creepy image and such a compelling thing, you know, and I know that body horror is something that really, when you hit the right nerve with body horror, it, it is very effective because I, I don't think that there's a much better way to creep out people than, than hitting them on that specific area of body horror that just really, really is deeply creepy. And for me, that was that was pretty creepy. And in fact, when I told my my wife about the the image, she was like, "I, I don't even want to read that story. <laughs> I, I don't like that. I don't re- I don't want to read it. It's it's too it's too grotesque." So, um, yeah, I, I I felt like I was able to. You know, you always want to feel like uh, uh, as a horror author that you're bringing something new to the table. So I, I, you know, I felt like, uh, and I, I don't know, it may have been you, Rob, that asked if, if jokingly, if there was a vampire in the, in the story, um, uh, or any of the stories because of the title, I can taste the blood. <laughs> and I, and I guess, you know, that never really even occurred to me because I really don't, I don't think, you know, when I sit down to write stuff, I don't think about, uh, vampires and werewolves and, and that kind of stuff, you know, not because so much that I'm you know, definitely trying to sit down and, and, and rise above that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, you know, my brain works in different ways um, and different things gross me out, interest me, make me afraid. And, uh, you know, hopefully that that character and, and what he goes through in the story will touch a nerve with some people because it is I think it's creepy. Could be just me, though. <laughs> to answer what you said a second ago, uh, I do a podcast for the last five years now with a guy who's Romanian. I'm always thinking about ah. vampires. <laughs> it's it's almost hard hard to avoid that. Then fair representation for all. <laughs> it's true. I've had a lot of people ask me, "Is this going to be a something with vampires?" You know, because yes. it's such a um, you know the words "I can taste the blood" are explicitly linked to you know biting i guess biting a neck and tasting blood i don't know you know but and it's um, funny uh, you know and it's funny and i guess gratifying too not once did we have to tell anybody nope don't do that don't mm-hmm. you know don't we didn't give it's not like we went to to dan and eric and and josh and said you know uh, here's what we're looking for and here's what we don't want to see we didn't do any of that it was just a, here's the title go right and you know, I think it's thing ever. Yeah, it's a it's a testament, I think, to the fact that we picked the right authors to participate in this, that we didn't have to you know, we weren't presented with a story uh that we you know, we thought, Oh god, we're gonna have to go back to this guy and say this this <laughs> this won't fly. I think part of the magic of this book is that um this was not your typical sub call. <clears throat> As you would see on the internet, you'll see uh, um, you know a publisher put a sub call up, and they'll say, "Oh, you know, we want we want a book about you know death, and then we don't, but we don't want this, 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 and this." They'll they'll blatantly have the list of what they don't want, and what they want. With this, it was sort of like, "Hey, here's this title, or here's what I saw on a wall called I Could Taste the Blood,' and uh, yeah, you write a story. See ya." It was that kind of thing, and I, and I thought that was. I think that's why this book is so extraordinary, personally, even after 
I'm a little biased because I read it twice, you know, and I still love <laughs> it. But um, I just think that was part of the magic, um, editorial-wise. And I thought that was yeah. brilliant. And I, I, I think that I chose, you know, Joe and I kind of talked about it so we knew each other was going to be in the book. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I covered this kind of in the, in the introduction to the book, but I had, I had, uh, I'd been talking to Eric for, uh, like 10 years. We, we had participated in kind of a crappy little zombie book a long time ago that really didn't go anywhere, <laughs> but I liked his story quite a bit. And we kind of started talking back and forth and trading stuff and, and, uh, you know, it's funny. This is the the first time in ten years I've heard Eric's actual voice. Yeah, that is um, kind of weird. <laughs> it is kind of weird. But <laughs> I always liked his 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 writing. You guys know he's got a he can he can write a line, and I tell him this all the time. He's probably rolling his eyes. He 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 has a, a tendency to write a line that you read it and you go whoa 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 back back up from it, and you read it again. You're like that's fucking awesome. <laughs> that's just a fucking awesome line. And he's got a lot of them in every story, and, and it just it boggles my mind. Um, and then the same thing with Dan. I, I've already said that that I really like Dan's kind of poetic use of language, and 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 so not not to say that this was kind of a conscious thing, but you know I think we hit on guys uh, authors who you didn't have to go to them with a with a, a set of rules saying you know don't do this, do this. Um, it was it was nice to put the trust back in the authors and just say, "Hey, here's the title. Just write what speaks to you." You know, when he, again he just gave us this title to work with, and I have such a problem with authority that in my story I even wind up making it that the title doesn't have to be that title. Uh, so that was like really fun. I trying to figure out how can I how can I do this, but also like not listen to the instructions. <laughs> you know? Brilliant, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and then I hit the, that idea uh, without giving anything away, I think, either. And uh, I was just like, yay, that's how you do it. And you, and you knocked it out of the park. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to challenge uh, the authors to something that you weren't expecting, but... Um, we would like to ask you to uh, talk about something in the book. I'm assuming everybody's read the entire book, right? I don't. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Oh yes. yeah. All right. We're gonna Good. find out in a minute. We're gonna. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> All right. So um, what we'd like to do, and I'm gonna start with uh, Joe Fucking Schwartz. Um, if you could, uh, if everybody, we're gonna call out name by name. Um, just talk about uh, one part of the book overall that you thought was a really strong moment or a standout moment. So um, you could be selfish and talk about something from your own story. You could talk about something from someone else's story that really struck you. Um, but yeah, just talk about something in the book that you thought was a really solid, like really strong moment in the book. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about something that's going to seem ridiculous to people, uh, but it's very, it's very kind. And it's the introduction, actually, by uh, John Boy Taft there. 
He has immortalized all of us. Um, you hear what he's saying here tonight and how he's praising Eric and, and uh, Jay Dan there. He does it all the time. I mean, you go out and he'll t he's saying these things about us to other people. He, he's, he's the biggest apologist of all the writers in this book, and it's, it's the kind of thing that um, when we wrote this book, after we wrote the stories, John said, hey, man, let's all write afterwards. You know, we all like those afterwards in Stephen King novels, or, or, or were they forwards? I'm not sure. But, um, you know, where he would talk about where he was at the time, you know, how he was all fucked up on cocaine and horse tranquilizers and whatever, you know. And and he said, let's let's write that. Let's write where, where our heads were at, where where we're at. And and I liked I liked that a lot for I Can Taste the Blood is because when you pick up this book, and if you liked one of these stories a lot, I mean a whole fucking lot, which happens to all of us sometimes when we read a, you just, you just got to stop reading for like a, a, a while because the story is just, just turns you inside out. You can read behind that and say, what the fuck was going on with these guys? How is this going? And, and I mean, there's actually two books here. You've got a book of short novellas, okay? But then you've got this book of, 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 of real life uh, nonfiction that tells you where these writers are at, how they're living. And, and I guess I found that as as much as if not more engaging to me uh, than the stories. I mean, I like the stories. I like the stories a lot. I think it's, I think it's, it's a hell of a book. It's a kind of book that is going to ruin a lot of people for other books of this kind because, um, you know, th these are five goddamn great stories. I mean, they're beyond the usual norm. Um, you know, I, I think they're all pretty goddamn good. I mean, we're, we're all bringing some, some strong game on this. But on the other hand, you know, it's it's got that, that, that flip side to it with, with some real humanity uh, tucked in between the pages that say, okay, now you just, you read a story um, about phantasmagorical horror by Eric, and here's kind of where his head was at for a little bit of that. Now, let, let me give you another story. And you read another story, and like, oh, I read. you know, it's amazing how, how this one came and this one came. And, and but, but really, it's it's a lot of fun uh, to be in this book with these guys. And and frankly, um, I I never imagined it being this good. I, I thought it would be good. I I, I really did. But I, but I mean, it's beyond what I hope for. And I've I've done a lot of drugs, and I've got a gigantic imagination from it. And um, I, I'm actually still quite impressed, and I, th I think we're all going to have um, a, a day where we look back and say this book was a launch pad for all of us. E even, even Josh, even with the success he's had, I think this is going to make him ten times more successful. Well, that was unexpectedly touching, Joe. Thank you. Was... <laughs> he can be unexpectedly and touching, usually when it's dark oh. in the room. I, mean, I got to tell you guys, we've known Joe for an hour now, roughly, and uh, I, I don't think Rob or I expected that. <laughs> yeah, not the touching I was expecting. <laughs> it never is. I'm not used to being on a computer this much without baby oil, fellas, so you'll have to forgive me. Uh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Like well enough. <laughs> That's why I chose a video-free forum for this uh, conversation. Eric, your yeah. mic is unmuted. What do you got for a standout, excellent moment in this book? Well, uh, it's like Joe kind of like blew us blew us all away now because it's so true that not only writing, I liked writing that all that afterward stuff as well as reading everybody's probably more than the stories. Although that's because I'm coming from the author's point of view, but it was it was really. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful to be able to get to see that to say where where'd you get that idea and really and everyone everyone had their own really you could t- sincerely you'd, you i mean you would read it and you could tell sincerely like we're really giving up our heart if the, on this and this this is totally true what joe said about john which is like i mean he has been like the most amazing advocate you know through the years he's just like i mean the end of all beginnings or is that the, is that the correct title that's correct yes that I mean, for example, that book is like it's so incredible. I mean, I like all your stuff, but that book is so amazing. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's like Thank talking you. me up. Uh, but in terms of the, I mean, the book itself, I did. I thought that Josh's, who we haven't discussed too much, but I, if I can say the J word, I think, can, that, <laughs> I think that Josh's, um, the ending of his story gave me a particular chill. I think um, that I that really stuck with me. I'm glad that you mentioned his story and. Um... Are any of you Twilight Zone fans? Sure. Oh my yes. Oh my yes. So to me, as the whole time I was reading that, I was thinking about the episode that um, where they capture the devil. There, the, where the uh, guy goes for help. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's my favorite episode. <laughs> yep. and, that's, and that's what I kept th- throughout that the course really? of that whole story, and it didn't disappoint. I don't think this is spoilery. It's not the devil or anything like that, but. Even towards the it's end, got the at the feel. end of the story, it has a story-like feel. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, and I really like that. Even even if Josh couldn't make it on tonight, I just wanted to say something nice about his story. Really liked his story. I agree with you, Eric. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Dan. What do you got for a standout uh, moment or a favorite moment from this book? Good question. Oh God, you got to make me choose. Uh... I read the book twice, two and a half times, um, but I think I keep looking at actually, I kind of know some things about Mr. Taff on a personal level, right? So as I read the beginning Uh-oh. of his story, yeah, watch out. <laughs> There's a standout moment, and I'll, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there are. Um, there's the narrator who speaks about um, divorce in, in uh, his in his story and due to the fact that I know some things about Mr. (laughs) (laughs) I connected to it and I'm a child of divorce. So I know what a broken family feels like. And for some reason that just resonated with me and it still does. And I kind of go back to it every once in a while to flip through. And I think to myself, damn, really touching and really nailed it on the head there. So that was my standout moment, I guess, divorce, not really a scary moment, but divorce. John, do you have a rebuttal or <laughs> anything you want to? <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, you know, for me, maybe even just a but. Uh, for me, uh, and I, I guess I'll talk about Josh since he's not here. Um, this is a much different story than I think I was expecting. Certainly from Josh, just by reading, you know, the very few things that Josh is out so far um and i think from that standpoint it was that was a pleasant surprise not so much that you know it was just a completely different kind of story it came at me from a completely different kind of direction than i was expecting and it was a pleasant surprise because it was it was so different than than the voice that josh had shown in um the bird box um 
And, you know, at, I, at that point that I, I received the story from Josh, I'd only read Bird Box and, and Gasly and Yule, which is a, a, a novella that he had up on Amazon. And uh, this story comes at just a completely different direction, which is, you know, it's just really cool. Uh, and I think it's going to be a cool thing for readers um, who, you know, see Josh's name on the book and they, you know, oh, I really like Bird Box. They're going to get a story that is just so completely different than what they that they were expecting, and and that can be a very, I think, a very pleasant surprise as a reader to uh, uh, to get a story that that is a good story and and it's an affecting story, um, but it's so completely different than what you're accustomed to from from that from that uh, author. So uh, that was kind of a the highlight, you know, I got, we got stories from everybody that I was very proud, um, to be, to, to put into the volume. So, but you know, with Josh, it was, it was just such an unexpected, uh, delightfully unexpected kind of a turn in the story that that was a cool thing for me. Uh, I don't know if I want to start out with uh, anybody specific, maybe John, because you're the one that, um, uh, conceived this beast. Um, thoughts on or experiences with themed collections versus non-themed? Because this is a very specific. You had a very specific criteria, even though it it, may, it left things wide open for what the story could be about. Um, in general, how do you feel about the idea of a themed collection versus um, just like a like a general call for submissions? You know, you go to you go to these horror conventions and you talk to other authors and other editors and you know you start to hear that um the non-themed uh anthologies don't sell as well um but you know my experience as a reader has always been i prefer the non-themed anthologies you know i think what can happen with themed anthology especially if the theme is not if the if the theme is too narrow or too narrowly interpreted, I think you end up getting a lot of stories that uh, you know after three or five stories, they all, there's a, a kind of a similarity that kind of sets in that I think can get a little problematic for me as a reader. Um, so I prefer the non-themed anthologies. I, I prefer to to go into each of the stories not ex- not knowing what to expect. You know that there's no given that, you know, okay, well, I just finished this one story about, you know, werewolves and, you know, in Brooklyn, but, and, you know, the next story is going to be about werewolves in Brooklyn, and the story after that's going to be werewolves in Brooklyn, and so there's something more appealing to me as a reader about going into each of the stories in an anthology, not kind of knowing what to expect, and I, you know, that's what kind of appealed to, I think, Joe and I when we sat down to talk about this, that, you know how we were going to set this up with everybody. Well, I think that, I think yeah. uh, uh, something else that really works for this. Uh, it, you know, people talk about themed anthologies. This is kind of is a themed anthology, but but mostly in those themed anthologies, everybody seems to be trying to solve the same problem. And it's like a bunch of mathematicians; they all have the same problem, and they're likely all to get this, the same answer. You're always looking for the one story that's remarkable outside the set. <laughs> thing thing is, this this is uh, every one of these stories. Uh, is an emotionally charged engine right from the beginning, and it, and you know each and every one of these stories is going straight towards a, a, a brick wall of an ending. I mean, 
it's it's just it, the, the the strong conclusions in each one of these stories makes the the ride worth the trip and that is really tough to get out of story after story after story in a short story collection as you know you'll you'll be like ah oh, this one oh, that one i'm telling you each one of these stories is 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 just a rocket ship of a ride and and there is no safe way this fucking thing is going to land so you're just you're prepared for 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 doom and I mean, each and every story has the same theme in a sense. I can taste the blood. It's the title. It's the thesis. It's 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 the pulse that's going to going to going to make the story come to life. Uh, I, I I mean, when I first read John's story, I mean, it, it, it was it was as creepy and weird to me and beautiful as as Eric's or or Josh's or or Jay Dan's. I mean, they all have this this all this raw emotional energy. I mean, we're the, it's. I mean, you can't read this book without gritting your teeth and and really, you know, pressing yourself to go forward. I mean, even even for people who really love the dark fiction and 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 and, and really strange out their horror, I think this is going to be refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah motherfucker. God <laughs> damn. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> Before it went off the rails. <laughs> no, I think he nailed it, man, with the raw emotion and all that. I think that's true. Um, John, I had one more question. So, and we probably should ask this earlier on, but because you mentioned so many times, were there other people that were invited, or is was this your group? Was these nope. were these four this guys? Just that's yeah, that's this is it. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, <laughs> Joe and I were kind of. You know, one of the things I've learned from this project, just to back up a little, is you know, for the longest time I sat around as an author waiting to be invited to these kinds of anthologies. And I'm really finding uh, now in my later years, um, you're better off just creating your own projects and uh, seeing if you can bring them to the table. And, you know, if you've got uh, a pocket full of, of people that you respect that uh, you can drop an email to or pick up the phone and call and you've got a publisher like uh, Gray Matter who uh, you trust implicitly and who you have a very good working relationship with. You know, I, I think putting together this project, you know, as Joe and I, and I think I said this in the introduction, you know, it sounds like a, a, a pretty mundane reason for doing this, but, you know, we wanted to have a project where we got a, you know, a novella published. So, okay fine let's just do it ourselves let's go ahead and put it together and put it out there and find a publisher and do it um and you know once we uh, you know once it was clear that obviously joe and i were going to be in it um you know the yeah, not that i want to make their heads any bigger than they need to be but you know really the first two people i thought of were were, were dan and eric um again people who i knew and who i'd read and who I admired and I'd been talking to. And I, and I, they also brought to the table something completely different than, uh, than each other and, and anything that Joe and I were likely to do. And then Josh came along at the very end just because I, uh, you know, I'd met Josh through the, uh, the Stoker award, um, uh, milieu, we kind of exchanged books and got to know each other and 
And actually, my wife, Deb, she was like, well, why don't you ask Josh if, he, if he'd be interested in doing this? So I'm like, eh, he's probably too busy or he's got too many other things that he's working on. But um, I went ahead and, you know, threw it out there, and he was very enthusiastic about it. So, um, yeah, there were really nobody, nobody else at the time that I thought about, nobody else that we went to who turned us down or, you know – Joe and I didn't spend a whole lot of time Indian wrestling about people we were going to invite to the book. It was just, this was it. And it has worked out, I think, uh, way better than anybody could have <laughs> had any reasonable expectation that it would. One of my blog posts, that I, uh, we have a website, um, IcontasteOfBlood.com, and um, <clears throat> we frequently post on there. And I think one of my first ones, or one of my first official ones was... Uh, the magic within this book is that, you know, this was curated by John and he didn't just pick people that were like, you know, his buddies or something. He really admired every single writer in the book and, and he had every right to because every single writer in the book is damn good. So, and not only are they damn good, everybody is so freaking different that this book is going to blow people's minds when they read it. And, I, I, and I'm not even saying that, you know, because John's my friend or because I'm in this book. No, like I've read this book twice, or I always say two and a half times because I'm halfway through it again. And um, I, every time I go to it, I'm just like, I've never read anything like this before. And I read a lot. Like, you don't catch me without a book. And so I just wanted to say that this book is magical and it's going to blow people's minds. Well, I am even more impressed now, um, knowing that these this was the group you handpicked, and that there weren't like you know just three others or something that didn't quite make the cut. Which brings us to um, an interesting um, part of, of an anthology <laughs> collection slash review, and for that, I'm going to pass it over to Rob. All right. So uh, for anybody, for our listeners who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that when we read a collection or an anthology or, or, or something like that, one of the things that we do is the anthology winner. And uh, because this is kind of a review, but more of an interview, we asked uh, everybody to anonymously submit their votes for an anthology winner uh, for this book. And I will. I want to go on the record as saying it was not unanimous, but there was an overwhelming favorite. <laughs> so uh, we're going to reveal now, and I'm going to give Livius the honor of revealing um, who was the anthology winner or uh, collection winner. I don't know which one you want to call it um, for for this book. So Livius. All right, guys. So here it is. It is the story. I can taste the blood. Whoa! Can you fucking believe it? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so weird. They all have you don't know what kind of grief this caused me when, like, I'm making my notes because it always is the author and then the story title, and that's how I differentiate the stories is by the story title. So I had to give you each one of them like my own little story name in here. At any rate, with an overwhelming so majority of the vote, Eric T. Johnson, congratulations! You are the collection Woo-hoo! winner for Woo-hoo! I can taste not gonna be the like blood. that moment in Carrie, is it? <laughs> We're not, We're not if, you, if you could taste blood, it's a virus, my friend. Oh, well, I feel. Thank you. I feel like that's wonderful. Good job, Eric. Oh, and and now, I feel like this is basic. Also, um, thank you. Uh, I, I will tell you that um, it's a rig system. It's a rig system. <laughs> is really what happens. Well, here's here's how it works. 
We give you guys each one vote, and then mine and Rob's votes count as ten each of the votes because it's our podcast. No, fair and square, man. You, Wait a minute, you know. that's not how I tabulated it. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you blew it out. So I want to I want to say a couple things about your story because I feel, and, and so, somebody else earlier said it, and you guys will have to forgive me because there's been so much talk by everybody. Like I, I still in my head, I'm not even sure what the story was about, but you had my vote um, because. <laughs> I think John put it best. There are lines in there, man, that I went back and read two and three times because I think they were brilliant. Um, you touched a little yes. bit on kind of playing with the idea of having to use a title, and I was just blown away, absolutely blown away. So um, fantastic job. I will also give you this. Thank you. There's probably six or seven short stories I've read more than once in my life. I'm going to go back and read yours as soon as my schedule um, allows. I'm going to read it again, which is not something I do for short stories at all, really. So, congratulations. Thank you. That's a great honor. Well earned. Thank you. All right. I guess it's time. So, I thoroughly enjoyed every story in here. And um, I, for one, am going to seek out some of the back catalog for some of you folks. But um, let's start. Let's start with the anthology winner. Eric, what would we see next from you? What are you working on? Um, I have a story coming out um, in a book called You Human which is being put out by Dark Regions Press. And actually, Josh Malman's in there with me, so that's kind of cool. Um, and that's just a short story, a sci-fi short story. And then um, I've been working with a reputable house that, you know, I can't give details yet, but to get together a, an actual book of all my stories, you know, with my name on the spine, which is like, you know, my dream <laughs> since I was five or something, so... That should happen in a year or so, and uh, I think that's where I'm at, basically. Awesome, mm-hmm. Joe Fucking Schwartz. What are we? What are we going to see next from you, buddy? Oh well, I'm on the I'm on a tour of the finest men's rooms as we speak, uh, writing different anagrams like I can taste the blood, but. Currently, I've got a book coming out in October called Stabco. It's a story of two loser brothers who find salvation and redemption through the sale of knives door to door. And uh, it's going to make me a shit ton of money. Uh, beyond that, I basically work every every week a few thousand words. Uh, I'm working on a story right now about a guy who uh, wins the lottery and it completely ruins his life. You know, feel good, unicorns, rainbows, that kind of thing. That's what Joe Schwartz does. He's a people person, writes people person stories, makes people feel good. Anyway, that's about what I got, fellas. All right, Dan, what's up next from you, bud? Um, uh, next month, I have... Um a short story due out with a brand new publication, a brand new indie publication uh, called Turn to Ash. Has some pretty cool people in it. That's just a short story, but October slash November is when my second novel finally hits, sees the light. You know, it's been a very long time. Um, it'll be out with Villipede Publications. It's called Blood Kiss. It's the story of Dorian and Tyria, and um, they're both artists of a very different medium who somehow come together and create these uh, very immersive theater sort of shows and um, gets all fucked up, really, thanks to 
bad childhoods and yada, 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 all that good stuff, drugs and drinking, you name it. But that's about it. And aside from that, I'm um, trying to put together my first short story collection of all my previous, previously published work or the best ones that I think are and uh, constantly trying to write new stuff. And that's about it. Excellent. Mr. Taff. Well, I've got a couple of things out right now. I've got a, a, a longer short story in a collection called Gutted that came out in June um, that's doing pretty well, and my story's getting some notice in that. And then uh, Cutting Block Books brought out a novella, a freestanding novella of mine called The Desolated Orchard. Um, that's out uh, right now. That's only 99 cents, and that's doing pretty well, too. Um I'm working on a novel that I'm uh, <laughs> was supposed to have finished the several months ago, um, and uh, hopefully that will be done in the next month or two here, and, and it'll be out next year. Uh, I've got a couple of novellas that I'm working on for different projects that I've been invited uh, to submit to uh, that should be out next year, and I it's been next year will be. Uh, five years since my first collection of short stories came out, which was called Little Deaths. And uh, so I am putting the finishing touches uh, finishing touches on a second collection of short stories that should be out probably towards the end of next year. Hopefully the novel will be out sometime in the late summer, and uh, this collection of short stories will be out later in the year. Um uh, so I'm, I'm keeping busy. Excellent. Uh, well, this is just going to be a general. We're not going to call on each person for this. But um, at the end of the episode, when we're kind of wrapping things up, we like to give people the opportunity to just, you know, plug something that they're uh, that they're excited about. It could be something that you're doing, but I think we already covered that. It could be uh, something from a friend. Um, you could take this opportunity to, to, you know, bad talk Josh Mallerman a little bit since uh, <laughs> he, he was unable to make it. Uh, but, a golfing um, incident. <laughs> yeah. Golf. So anybody, um, and we'll do our best to not talk over each other. If there's anything that you think that you want our listeners to hear about that they might enjoy, this is your, your opportunity to plug that right now. Uh, you know, let me, let me say a couple words about our tremendous publisher who is bringing this to market gray matter. If you don't, uh, if you haven't read um, the books that Gray Matter has put out, Gray Matter has only been around for about two or three years, um, but they've really, uh, I think, proven themselves to be one of the, the better publishers out there uh, for bringing horror literature out. And, uh, you know, they've worked with lots of big authors, uh, Mayberry, John, uh, Ray Garten, uh, and they're bringing, in addition to those those big voices, they're also really effective at bringing new voices uh, to the plate. And uh, I think, you, you know, I would really urge people out there, if you're looking for new stuff in the horror field, uh, to take a, a good look at, at Grey Matter. Uh, they just did a, uh, a wonderful book that was put out uh, a couple months ago called Dread, which is sort of their best of from their first couple of years of publishing uh and the story selection I, I know dan's in dread uh i'm in dread um the story selection is pretty wild 
and uh, it's a pretty entertaining book. So, you know, I've got a really great relationship with uh, Tony Rivera and Sharon Lawson, who make up uh, uh, Gray Matter, and uh, they're the press that has they brought out uh, the end and all beginnings, my collection of fellows two years ago. And, uh, you know, when, when Joe and I had this idea for, I can taste the blood, you know, I always feel like I've got to run it past Tony to see if he's interested. And, you know, Tony, as he did with, uh, the end and all beginnings, he kind of preempted us having to go out in the marketplace and, and try to shop it around. I just told him the idea, told him what we were thinking of doing. And he was like, yeah, I want that. So, uh, you know, support the independent press and horror publishing and, and support the ones that really do a good job. And Gray Matter is certainly at the top of that heap. Okay, me next. I wanted to just um, agree with John and the fact that um, I, I've been reading the indie market uh, for a while now. Uh, I would say since at least 2007, 2008, I've always been interested in underground horror as much as I am uh, in the big name horror because um, I, I do think it's important to support the small press I think the small press brings new authors um, I mean even you know let's face it Stephen King had to start somewhere everyone has to start somewhere right and I, and I do think a lot of new voices new and established voices are in the indie press and it's very important to actually go out and purchase a brand new copy of a book as much as a, a used copy is so tempting but you have to realize it is there is sort of a business aspect to this um, as much as it as it is an art and uh, with, with, in great with great matter personally I mean I've read I if they put out 20 books I probably read 19 of them at this point and every single thing in there is either groundbreaking or mind-blowing, unique, you, you name it. They're, at, they're doing great things. And I read somewhere, it was really funny. I think it was on some sort of I Can Taste the Blood thing or maybe on Great Matter Press's page. Somebody called them like the terrible toddler of publishing or something. And I that just thought that was... Oh, that was you? Okay. Was <laughs> okay. I just thought that was the... You couldn't have said it any better. And and they, they really are. And they're... they're and that just goes to show there are some, I guess, bigger indie presses out there right now. But this smaller indie press has only been around since, I think, 2013 was the first anthology. John, you were in that one. I think that was 2013. A few yeah, I think came out in 13. Yeah, it was 12 or 13. It was Dark Visions volume yeah. one. Um, and um, just from that alone, I mean, they that book got them on the Stoker ballot, you know, uh, to be nominated immediately, you know. What was their first ever anthology? I mean, that's just almost unheard of, to be honest. So it goes to show. Uh, Gray Matter Press is doing important things, and we need to be supporting Gray Matter Press and the indie press. But Gray Matter first. <laughs> All right, that's about it. I'm done. <laughs> well, I just want to say that if you want to see like a fun zombie movie, you should totally rent Summer Camp. And that's about all I have to say about that. But I, I think more people should know about it because it sounds stupid. It really sounds stupid, but it was good. So, summer camp forever. I, lo I love the brevity of that. It was great. I'd like to say one thing, if it's okay. Uh, you know, 
the cool thing is I'm not horror. Um, I don't pretend to be. And to be included in this collection uh, among these guys is a real honor. And I really thank uh, Tony over Gray Matter because he could have told John there's no fucking way Joe's going in this book. And that would have just been the way it fucking is. And it wouldn't be the first time I've been told to, you know, pack my shit and hit the bricks, especially as a writer. Um, I, I have... Uh, three published collections of short stories and I'm going to tell you I tried to sell every one of them and no one would buy them but yet as a collection people dig them and I get some really nice compliments all the time and I know it had to be kind of a leap of faith for Tony to put me in here but you know I stand on the shoulder of giants with these guys and I really appreciate it uh, and one of those giants is great matter and, and you know it's just it's a, it's a wonderful feeling to be in something that a is really good but B is gonna be you know extremely popular so thanks to you guys I really appreciate uh, you're having me in with you and uh, you know someday we'll get together and take a nice long hot shower together okay oh uh, if that wasn't a way to go out I, I can't I can't imagine <laughs> well, a, better a golden one, right? shower maybe ah. yeah. and I'm, I, I just want to clarify oh. for Joe that he was just talking to co-authors not to hosts of this podcast in that invitation <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm by, by, you know, implication kissing your asses too. Just please don't, don't think you're outside of the realm of my ass kissing. Because seriously, uh, every chocolate starfish deserves a little, a little, little smoochy. All right, and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> the far-reaching lips of Joe fucking Schwartz, apparently. <laughs> Um, well, gentlemen, I want to thank everybody for for joining us and and breaking a, a record with booked. I think the the most people we've had on at one time before is uh, the two hosts and then two other people. So um, this has been an experiment, and I think it went really well. Thanks so much for the book and the good read, but also thanks for joining us and talking about it. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Yeah, thanks a lot, thank guys. You, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. All right, hopefully we haven't lost too many people along the way. What a fucking episode this is. Holy shit. Big thanks to Dan, J. Daniel Stone. Dan, as we got to know him intimately on this podcast. Joe fucking Schwartz, Eric T. Johnson, and John F. D. Taff, and Josh Mellerman for participating in this anthology. Um, Josh was missed, but uh, I think that more than anything, he's going to feel bad that he didn't get to participate in such an excellent conversation. Um, and I have to say... This was kind of a risk because when you have so many people at play, uh, it, it could be difficult to you know manage the conversation. But I think that we, I have to give credit to the authors. They were very good at taking their turns and um, you know uh, just they. It, it was obviously cared about the content of of the conversation. Uh, they did a great job. Before we go into a wrap up and give this collection some stars, I just want to tell listeners we had we big Rob had the power to control the mute button. And you know what? These guys self-policed, which was amazing and yeah. awesome. Yeah, I didn't mute anybody one time. I think one time we said mute your shit, but it was because uh, <laughs> um, that we were transitioning to something else, so they had to be prompted <laughs> to mute themselves. So. Quite honestly, the worst person on the mute button was Rob, who kept forgetting to unmute himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are the yeah. biggest challenges I'm we I'm supposed face. to be the professional here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, so let's do a quick wrap-up. So we've been on this for a little while. Um, uh, I, I can go first. 
You can. All right. Um, first of all, from the title on down, I can taste the blood. Um, a great title for a collection, a great title for a short story, and a great title for five short stories, quite actually. Um, I knew this was going to be interesting because we'd read Taft before, we'd read Mallerman before, and you put those two names on something, and, and I'm likely to pick it up. But John reached out to us um, and said, hey, you know, we had a lot of fun doing this with you guys. We'd like to do it again. Here's what we've got. And Rob and I were absolutely sold. Um these stories, although not similar at all to each other, fit, I want to say very well together, but I'm going to go with they fit pretty well together. But all I can tell you is that they are entertainment um, in each in their own right. I really thoroughly enjoyed every single story in here. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it five stars. You you sounded like you were on the on the fence at the end. I was there. gonna take a half star away because Joe fucking Schwartz man, that guy that, <laughs> that guy was something else. I was gonna actually <laughs> deduct half a star for talking to him, but no, ultimately, Whoa. ultimately, <laughs> I'm just Thanks. kidding. That guy that guy was a lot of fun. Um, and he actually, quite honestly, for what the listeners will hear, will will you know, I could say that he also policed himself very very well. <laughs> Five stars, guys. Excellent job. <laughs> um. Technically, this is a themed anthology in as much as every story has the same title. However, that's where any similarity, uh, you know, ends for the stories. I'd say that they are very unique and very much the uh, each author's own voice. And Livius, I think you said, and it was also mentioned in the actual conversation with the authors, the stories are very, very different. However, for some reason, they all still fit together nicely. And um, that is is one of the reasons it ends up being such a powerful collection, because you can go from some really, really messed up weird stuff to uh, what is more of a straight crime uh, kind of story, but uh, it still feels like they all kind of belong together. So I thought that was uh, unexpected. Um, after I'd read a couple of the stories, I was thinking, wow, these are pretty different, but I was still bought into them, so... Good job with that. Overall, great stories from everyone. And um, it was a quick read, but um, for, for novellas at least. It, five novellas, you're thinking, oh man, this is going to take a while to get through. But um, it was pretty much page-turner. I enjoyed it, and I thought every author really represented themselves well. I'm going to go four and a half stars, just because Livius went five. Otherwise, it would... It it's because you had to talk to Joe Schwartz. <laughs> I think Joe Schwartz was great. Joe Schwartz was great. I'm just giving the guy. Out. And, so, and you got to um, all right. And think about the, these are uh, one of the things you got to think about is this. Uh, this anthology was born out of the fact that John F. D. Taff had to take a piss. So considering that was the the beginning of this, I think they they did a great job with it. <laughs> yeah, I get. Now you know what. Now that you put it that way, <laughs> you know where they talk about that—that that little one thing, like taking a different turn one day changes the course of your yeah. life. Yeah, that's this. Uh, he might have said, "I'm just going to hold it till I get home," and we wouldn't have had this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, this book is available now. When you're listening, at least according to Amazon, available for you to purchase. I strongly recommend you go out and uh, and get this book. It's a it's a it's a good ride, Rob. Before we we sign off. Um, feel like i should apologize to listeners because i said we were going to dedicate a full episode to the huggo awards and apparently <laughs> they happened without us even noticing yeah somehow i, I saw it on someone posted the 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 winners on facebook and i was thinking 
Nobody from the Huggos even bothered to reach out to us about this. There are no winners, Rob. There are no winners in any of this. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, can we talk about the next episode? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so S.G. Brown has some novellas out, and uh, we're going to talk about those next week here on Booked. And next week we hope to have an announcement about another episode we're really, really excited about, too, maybe, in fact. Yeah, there's still some exciting stuff going on, but I, I'm so nervous about saying something's going to happen before it does. And mm-hmm. it's not like a jinxing thing. It's just I don't like being wrong. So, like, until I have the finished product, I don't want to say this is going to happen. Um, but if what's going to be if – if the interview we're supposed to do 12 hours from now um, fin- you know, takes place – it's going to be awesome for the podcast, so I'm really looking forward to it. All right. We've vague cast enough for the evening. Big thanks again to our guests this evening. John F.D. Taft, Joe fucking Schwartz, who insisted I call him that, by the way. I don't want you guys to think <laughs> this is what I'm calling him. He insisted I call him that. J. Daniel Stone and Eric T. Johnson. Uh, until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs>